Hey, it's David Cicerelli, the CEO and founder of Voices. Well, today on the show, we welcome Mike Young from Mike Young Studio. Mike and I are going to be talking about the creating global ad campaigns, managing complex projects, and what to listen for during the audition process, something he and his team have lots of experience with. But first, let me introduce Mike. Mike began his career in New Zealand uh, across all formats of radio production and live broadcasting, then to Australia in radio station imaging, and eventually to New York, where he's lived for the past 15 years. Now, for Mike, it was all about timing, landing in New York in 2007. It was just as the streaming revolution was beginning. So Mike managed online streaming service for Virgin Mobile in the U.S. and the luxury audiophile brand Macintosh Labs before gaining Spotify as a client for their launch, their U.S. launch in 2011. Now, Mike Young Studio is the audio production agency for Spotify's upsell audio ads globally in every language and in every accent, sometimes delivering over 2,000 ads per campaign. That's incredible, Mike. That's something we'll definitely have to talk about. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the show. Wow. I sound impressive. (laughs) That's that's your life uh, flash before your eyes, as they say. Yeah. Um, well, take us, take us, I mean, we're still back in time, but you know, let's, uh, let's fast forward a bit to the advent of the streaming era and what was going on in advertising, you know, media production in kind of those mid two thousands, you know, arriving in New York city, what, you know, what was happening in kind of the scene at that point? Um, so I was still, I come from a radio production background and I was mm-hmm. still just thinking you know, about like becoming, um, in a radio imaging producer, producing station imaging and branding, um, and, you know, my dream was always to work at Z100 and take over from Dave Fox, and, uh, who was like the legendary um, radio producer at Z100. And, um, and I met him and um, actually it was him that uh, led me on the path to kind of where I've ended up now mm-hmm. because he had heard about this thing starting up, this like French company called Goom, they didn't. They were really ahead of their time. Um, who were launching in New York at the time, and he put me in touch with um, Romeo on the radio, who is going to work there, and um, and I got involved with those guys. And through that, it was a streaming platform. It was basically what iHeartRadio is now before right. iHeart even thought of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was too early. The you know technology as far as like streaming devices to you know take, it was really just a desktop kind of a thing and. And it, and it failed. But there I met people who went on to work for Spotify. Um, hey and Kim, who was someone who was instrumental in getting me into Spotify. Um, uh, and a, like a bunch of people there who kind of came from traditional radio, came from Google, and then dispersed. And from there I went on to, um, you know, to uh, work for the small company that we'd set up and we took on Virgin Mobile as a client. Right. And there was a... a, a visionary marketing guy there called Ron Farris, who's now at Nike. Um, but he had the idea of, you know, he could see where streaming was going. He could see all of that. And he mm-hmm. was, you know, marketing for a mobile phone company, you know, like it, could, it was all just falling into place. And this is very yeah. early. And so that's how um, I kind of got into that team and learned a lot about how to build an app and build streaming within an app and, um, and how it sounds when it's, you know, um, run through there. And then from there, um, uh, Hayun, who I'd worked with at Goom, who was working with me on that project, um, was one of the very early hires at Spotify in the US. And we're talking like 
and she introduced me then to the these Swedish dudes, you know, mm-hmm. oh, these got these Swedish people coming over, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll talk with them. Um, they're going to talk to you about what we're doing. And I remember the questions I, were, well, I was asking. I was like, but I don't get it. Is it like iTunes? So how do I play music? So you mean like, don't I buy? No, you don't buy or you don't, you know, like download anything. Well, then how does it, you know, it was all just... Almost like the licensing was their real big breakthrough, right? Like yeah. rather than purchase, it was kind of available. The artist is still getting paid, but it's on a per stream basis as opposed to a per a So per everyone download. was, yeah, learning as they go. Um, it sounded and, like you had real good mentors along the way too. Yeah, I mean, just is that, like, you know. Was it being in the right place at the right yeah. time, as they say? And that's kind just, of, that was the draw to be in New York? Being in New York. Um, you know, like I said earlier, my whole goal was just to work in radio in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and had no idea, you know, that all of this stuff was coming. But as things, you know, develop, they, that's when you realize what it really means to be somewhere like this and to live and work and you're like rubbing shoulders and just socializing with people mm-hmm. on that kind of level who are doing things um, that go on to become massive. I would never, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I'd stayed in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, same thing. I, I feel the same way starting um, startingvoices.com. And I originally grew up in Northern Ontario and eventually uh, gravitated to our center of the world, which is uh, near Toronto. So yeah. um, I hear you about kind of being close to where the heart of activity is, especially whether it's a creative endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. film or advertising, you know, there's always a, there's always a geographical hub. Um, yeah. So maybe that's one kind of word to the wise of those listening that if you're looking to, so to spoke, kind of break in or network and just being in the right presence of people who maybe can provide some mentorship or provide some guidance, um, even as an ad hoc basis, you know, there is certainly value of, uh, of, of being in those places um, together. So let's, you know, maybe kind of talk about how the recording um, and production kind of process has changed over the last decade. I mean, you know, that maybe the obvious one is, you know, analog to digital, but beyond that, um, are there different kind of tools and techniques or have have you kind of, you know, that you've seen have been almost like these step changes in terms of the production process? Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, even, and you're talking about 10 years, I don't, we were still using digital, it was Pro Tools 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, So it's even 20 years ago, I think is like, was when I learned was reel to reels and splicing tape and all that kind yep. of thing, but in the last ten years, I don't really think it's even, it's changed. I don't think mm-hmm. that um, the recording process has really changed. Okay, so now using newer versions of like Pro Tools or whatever, where things maybe bounce faster or to different wave formats, and you've got mm-hmm. more plugins that can kind of do things a bit better. Um, but essentially, you're still editing, which is the skill I learned on reel to reels. You're still trying to make things sound natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and using your ears. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, reco- I, you know, I don't think recording has changed much. The production process, even 10 years ago, it was still, was email, you know, scripts being sent back and forth and like files being sent back and forth by email. So it's kind of, I feel like the last 10 years may have just really, as far as development and both recording and production processes, haven't really changed. There's cloud services now, is mm. that, which, you know, all of these things are good and great, mm-hmm. but are they that big of a change? I don't right. think that industry change. And I think the next thing will be, the biggest new dis- next disruption will be, you know, um, AI voice, you know, and using mm. in like, a, um, I don't know if people are aware, but, you know, like, 
basically fake voices, right? Mm -hmm. Computer-generated voices. That will be the next biggest industry disruption. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be a great lead-in to that because I'm anticipating, I mean, if you're, to the extent you're able to talk about this, I'm curious what a campaign of 2,000 audio ads looks like. And then maybe that ties into why an AI voice might even be needed, almost like what that use case is. So how do, you know, if, if you can kind of maybe unpack this, these large campaigns, I'm sure they have 500 spots, 600 spots, and then a, a 2,000, is it, you know, every language, <laughs> every language, every geographical yeah. location, that's kind of how we, I'm trying to like, yeah. how do you get to that scale? Yeah. Um, so when I, you know, okay, so this is through Spotify as these size campaigns. Yes. So when I started with them, I was just working on the US only, you know, um, and it was just about like, we need to find um, a voice, uh, the voice and sound of Spotify America. And at that time, no one knew what Spotify was. So it wasn't really any upsell ads or anything. It was just educational kind of stuff. You know, hey, did you know you can create a playlist if you push this and do that and you know all the functions? And so it was really just education um, promos. Mm -hmm. And then as they kind of, you know, people got used to all of that. You didn't have to do that so much anymore. Then it just became about, hey, upgrade to premium. Right. And you'll get all these, you know, better features and you can do all the stuff that you want. And so did that well. And then as Spotify were growing, then they were going into region. And every year they'd add on, you know, two or three more regions around the world. And for their team in Sweden, it was starting to become a bit out of hand. Like, we've got to manage all of this and we've got to deal with... Um, uh, paying every uh, agency and voice talent person all of their fees for every little ad we do, you know, and all of that was just becoming a big mission. And they got to the point where, like, hey, can we can we do a couple more? Could you do Canada or could you do America? Hey, you're New Zealand. You must. Can you do New Zealand? They started adding on <laughs> regions, you know, one and I was like, okay. And then um, more, and then and then in languages that I don't even speak, and you realize that actually language language is just all the same. It's all. You can hear, even if you don't speak the language, you know, I can still edit. Yeah, it's very, it's very musical, right? Yeah, it's musical. Exactly. So I can, I can tell when things begin, end, uh, inflections, all of that kind of stuff. Although some languages, some, you know, do use inflections differently. Hmm. But, um, and so it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they're like, we just want you to handle everything now. And we want you to handle all of the payments. So we don't have to deal with all of these, like, you know, like or the billing and all that. We just want to have one. It's you, you do it all, <laughs> and um, and they were so you know, they pretty, keep they keep you busy. It sounds like so yeah. So they were pretty honest <laughs> about you know can you handle that and right. you need to get some help and um and I, so I did, and um I luckily found um a great project manager. Um, Emily is my project manager, and mm -hmm. I couldn't do it without her. And um and so then that's when things also like. Um, you know, I would go out and cast and find local talent because we have to have local people in the places. I don't right. want a French-speaking voice artist who lives in New York. I want mm. you got to live, you know, where you are. Yeah, it's got to be authentic voices. Um, and then as things got bigger and bigger, and then you know, it's, it's a service like you know, Voices.com can really mm -hmm. come in handy. Um, and then I can rely on you guys to help project management as well. Well, I, you know, so there's, there's so much to so much to go in in so many different directions. Let's it's just on this project management piece. Are you using software, or I guess you're you're a partner in crime, if you will, uh, Emily? Is there like a an Asana project management, or is this a collection of spreadsheets, or maybe maybe you just don't care because you're kind of one step removed? But I'm, I would imagine you interact with it 
in some degree. I mean, just a lot of moving parts. How, is just we use, you know people are curious in, in well, terms of like what's the what's the tech stack? You know. Yeah, we use um, whatever you know, whoever the client is. We right. use what they use. Yes. Um, and pretty much it's it's all just Google Sheets and Google Documents. Yep. That's yep. it. Um, but they're big. a lot of pages and details in there and a lot of comments going on um and then yes and then for communication it's slack generally Mm -hmm. um for quick communication back and forth with people but you all of the project management stuff is done within google docs well i think it goes to show you that you you know, you don't need to deploy, you know, Microsoft project or something for, you need something fast and nimble that is accessible, almost like a, it is enterprise software, but it has this kind of consumer feel. But it's such an important point for future producers that are listening is um, adapt to what the client is using. Make their life, make their life uh, easier. Was, did you learn that one the hard way, or is that just kind of came naturally to you to well, yeah, say, I, like, yeah, in the I'm beginning, flexible I, with whatever you're using? Yeah, I was hosting everything myself in the beginning. You know, I'd make all the audio and, and then I'd upload, and then uh, and then I'd sort of run out of space on you know my whatever accounts I was using. Like, oh, um, can you can we get rid of? No, we can't get rid of that. We need to keep all of the, that stuff, you know, for like the next ten years or whatever. And yeah. Like, uh, so then we realized, oh, I shouldn't be host. This is all your stuff. This is all your property. Everything we do is yours. So now everything we do, whoever the client is, is we ask you, can you set up, you know, where you want all of the deliveries to happen, and you mm-hmm. guys set up all your worksheets, and we all work within yours. So we actually have very little on our side. We just have the only place, the only thing I host is when voice talent are sending me their raw voice files yep. for me to work on. You know, I, that's where I kind of, the only things that I will house. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, doing searches on behalf of another client. Like, hey, where's this file? Yeah, that, you know, the, you don't want to be kind of the, yeah. It's theirs, you know. They totally. need access to it and to be able to share it within their organization. I don't for want to sure. be paying for all that extra bandwidth. No, <laughs> no. And these are these are big files too. That's something a lot of people don't appreciate when you're working with audio and video files. You know, they're 10, 20, 100 x. It's not a text file that you're dealing with. So um, certainly, there's a cost uh, consideration in there as well. Um, the so you know you'd mentioned working with talent and the importance of working with local talent. Um, do you? I mean, there's probably a wide spectrum of either. You know the the professionalism, the quality of the talent, but then perhaps even the quality of their home studio setup. Let's say mm-hmm. you find the right voice, mm-hmm. but maybe their their home studio setup isn't as you know soundproof as 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 you'd like. You can hear the background noise. Um, how how do you go about overcoming that? You know that the the artistic hurdle and the technical hurdle to uh, to be working with uh, the right localized talent. Yeah, I think there's two types of home setup. There's the amateur home setup and the professional mm-hmm. home setup. And then separate from that, you've got the professional recording studio, you know. Yes. Um, who I try to work with as little as possible these days. Um, <laughs> why, is, why, is, why is that? Uh, well, turnaround time. So, mm. okay, so it, the benefit, if I was a voice talent person, I'm getting paid the same fee whether I'm recording myself or whether I've got to go and book a recording studio to walk into. And so when you book a recording studio with a big mixing desk and lots of buttons and and, um, a coffee machine 
and a receptionist who's going to do the bookings. You're paying for all mm-hmm. of that stuff, you know, um, and you don't need to. You're, all you're mm-hmm. sending me is a mono voice file. I don't yep. want, you're not doing any mixing, you're not adding any music, it's just your voice, the most simple recording you could possibly make. So you don't yep. need all of that. And also you're bogged down with uh, professional studios time, you know, like a uh, booking schedule. Oh, we can't yeah, get you. Oh, we've at, got a you're big, at their mercy, right? You're at their mercy. Yeah, yeah. Their oh, mercy we booked of... out all this week. Can you come in next week? Um, <laughs> the home setup, they can turn stuff around and get it back to you within the hour because mm-hmm. it's just them. So that's the main reason. But also yeah. um, uh, I, I feel like people will give a better delivery when they're in their own, almost their home environment. They're just so much more comfortable, you know? Yes. So those are the two reasons I feel like it's just pointless um, with people who, well, you've got to deal with my agent and we got to book a studio and like, oh, no, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually interesting. I think it's really good for uh, advice and encouragement for talent who think that they must be able to walk into a multi-million dollar facility when, as you said, you're delivering one voice track. I mean, listen, you're not recording a 12-piece orchestra and a whole, you know, rock band, and yeah. you don't need all of that where yeah. the sound is important. In fact, you're not looking for natural acoustics, c- kind of quite the opposite. You're looking for a dry voice with mm-hmm. no processing, mm-hmm. as clean as possible. And it sounds like, so quality and the ability to turn things around quickly actually are paramount to the to the ambiance. And even still walking into a facility like that, you're right, it can be very intimidating in which case you don't get quite the 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 comfort level, the ease, the read that maybe you yeah. would have uh, that you would that you would get from that home. It's like kind of it's like your your environment. You're going to feel best in your own environment. Yes, that's right. Um, so, but within that, yeah, there's you know the person who um, has been told by friends and family, you know, you should uh, you should do movie promos or be on the radio, and they're like, you got a deep voice. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll give that a go. Yeah. And they go and buy themselves like the cheapest USB mic from Target and they just like mm-hmm. find some free software that's on their laptop and if they get really serious, they'll whack up some egg cartons on the wall. And yeah. so there's that. Um, or there's the professional home studio, which is someone who's probably going to be using, you know, um, uh, not a cracked version of recording software, um, and, you know, and a decent mic like a Neumann or... Um, mm-hmm. Like I know you guys have done um, reviews on like what are the best mics to use, right? For sure, um, AKG, Sennheiser, Neumann, I you, mean, yeah, like, Rode NT1s. Yeah, I'm using the Shure here, and so someone who's invested in that, who um, has created a, a proper recording environment in a, in a room in their home. You know, mm-hmm. tried like you said, made it dead, so there's no echoes, no reverbs. I've got echo in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know what? Like one of the best places to record is in a closet surrounded by fur coats, hopefully faux yeah. fur coats, <laughs> and, or inside a car. If um, Sometimes I've, I've had some people send me, you know, they've got their laptop and, the, and a mic kind of set up and they're like, wow, where did you, you know, that's, that's so dead. And I'm inside my car. Yeah, and it's so enclosed. If well, it's all it's of, all the insulation, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's there to Those, keep you warm. But it's actually kind of like ensuring that sound isn't slapping back. You'd be. I'm actually surprised that and I've heard of that as well too. That a car is a good substitute for you know vocal b- rather than being in a loud, loud, uh, noisy house. Um, but it's surprising, even though that there's all that kind of glass around, it still does have that kind of that that dead. dead 
dead sound. Yeah. yeah. So there's those two spectrums um, of 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 talent of home base studio. So even when you hear, hey, I've got a home base studio, it almost requires this next level. I'm sure your ear can, you know, spot it a mile away. I mean, the you know, right away you're gonna know quality of talent and what their setups. So uh, that's like. where the auditions come in, you know, and mm-hmm. that's where they're important. So when I'm listening through to auditions and remember, you know, like I could be receiving a lot of auditions. Uh, when I'm using Voices.com, thankfully you guys mm-hmm. filter out a lot, and I'm just getting mm-hmm. you know the, the handful. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, first thing I'm listening for within the first three seconds, whether I'm just going skip, is is the recording level, is the recording uh, quality at a professional level. If you mm-hmm. can't record yourself, and some people think. Um, that they should deliberately send in low quality auditions or put tone through it or something, you know, because they're worried that, but you might use my audition in your campaign oh, right, without right. paying me. Yeah. Um, well, that that will backfire because if I if I if you can't prove to me that you can record yourself to the level that I need, I'm not going to mm-hmm. ask you. I'm not going to re- go back to even if you sound like you're the right person. Oh, do you think you could? I'm just on to the next one because there's always another yeah. person. Well, this this loudness concept, you know, some talent think that, um, you know, as you say, like I'm gonna I'm gonna reduce it by you know six or nine decibels. You you don't sound competitive to everybody else who is normalized, and uh, whether you're a pro like Mike or another producer who's listening even for the first time, there's loudness is perceived as better quality. I don't know why that is, but people go, Oh, you're loud. You're, you're, you're more present. You're kind of this larger than life sound. It's, it's only because it's probably compressed and and maybe, and maybe normalized as well too. So I think, I think that's really good. So advice to the talent out there that don't use quality as a a way to watermark or degrade the sound because you're really just, you're really just disqualifying yourself from the process. Yeah, you are. Because the audition is not just for your performance. The audition is also, can you deliver the, uh, the quality <laughs> of audio? You know, there's those, right. those are the two sides, the two things I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And then aside from that, the performance itself. I mean, you're probably hearing, hey, there's like six to 10 great sounding, good quality. Maybe you've worked with them before. You start to recognize some of the same names. Um, or it's somebody new. What are you listening for in the performance? I mean, this is... This is copy. You're trying to bring yeah. it to life somehow. Is it just yeah. kind of hit you in the heart, pull on the strings, or is there something else that you listen for? Usually nowadays, you know, it's like thing, and I, I know you guys have talked about it. It's that conversational, natural sounding. Mm. So deep voice, I'm on to the next one. If anyone is talking mm-hmm. like this, you know, that's not natural. <laughs> that's not conversation. And and I'm just on to the next. Um, I'm listening for are you, can I hear that you're just reading words on paper or mm-hmm. does it sound like you really are trying to communicate with somebody or with me or with the listener, but in a totally relaxed way? So mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, a car sales ad. Um, I, and it's really easy to spot. And mm-hmm. I also, it, I don't want people to intro themselves. I just, just get into it. If you are auditioning for this, you should have done a bit of research to find out what the brand is, what their style is, what they sort of mm. like, you know, the vibe that they're going for. You should just be able to start the script 
from the beginning. Don't be like, hi, my name is Mike, and uh, I'm reading for you today, and I'll be doing uh, three versions. I'm on to the next. I'm not even going to listen because it's... <laughs> wow. It's, it's, you know, what? that comes from a construct of doing in-person auditions, right? When when the name wasn't attached with the actor who was physically walking in the studio that was sent there by their agent. Now, online, what, you know, a lot of talent don't recognize is like, your name is right beside the audition. You don't need to state your name again. And given the fact the that like, you actually said, yeah, it's on the file. Even, if, even if it's not your name, sometimes you're just a number. Sometimes you're just a, like, because agencies have so many, you know, they're not even putting, they're just yeah. putting your number. Oh, I'll hire voice number 33413. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. That happens too. So I don't care. What, I don't really care what your name is. Yeah. And, and usually when people start off and they do that and they say, I'm going to do three different takes, and every take is exactly the same. Right. And You're almost setting yourself up, setting an expectation, then not mm -hmm. delivering on that expectation. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of harsh. You know, the, no, no. I think this is so, so helpful because listen, talent are auditioning 10 times, 20 times a day they're not getting the feedback. And one of the things that we hear from talent is I wish somebody would give me feedback. Now, listen, there's no expectation there. No one's gonna go through, no. reply to every single one of them. But I think today's a great venue to be able to, um, you and many others are, are kind of speaking into the lives of talent, you know, raise the game uh, as well too. And then ultimately get you and your clients um, better read. So I, I actually think this is super helpful. Um, any last things on on auditions? Don't slate none of the preamble. Um, you know, there's a there's a phrase in in in, in live performance says uh, for auditioning, which is be good, um, be brief, and be gone. And yeah. you're kind of in in and out, right? I think yeah, it's like if you're an actor, you know, and you're you're turning up for an audition for a film or something. There's a room outside, you know, with like 50 other actors. They're all reading. They've all got the same script. They're all going for the same role. And then there's like half a dozen dudes on the, you know, people on on the other side of the wall, and they've been there all day long, and mm -hmm. they know the character, they know the film, so they know if you get it or you don't, or mm -hmm. if you're just going to walk in and you're just, if you're going to spend, walk in and be like, hi, my name's, and look at everyone, and say hello to everybody in the line, they're like, fuck, we could have been halfway through it by now, yeah. And then <laughs> if you, if you go like, well, I just need to get in, wait, I'll just get into character and um, just give me a second, and they're just going to be like. Are you going to be like that on set when we've got, we're paying every second right. is money and we're just trying right. to get the shot and move on to the next one? I want you to walk on set, boom, you're red and go. You know, like, and oh, that's, that's, the audition. that's awesome. The audition process should be like that too. When I receive a, a file, I just want it to be like, you know exactly what we want. And that's the, mm -hmm. that's when it's like, yeah, okay, I'll grab that person because I don't so want no messing good. around. Be good, be brief, be gone. I think that's uh, great, great advice. And thanks for the context there. Um, just switching briefly to um, the brands themselves. We took, um, how are those brand campaigns changing too? I mean, these, the idea of, you know, both, you know, um, simultaneously becoming more local as well as more global. I mean, as people want to, you know, brands are trying to spread their message more broadly, but realizing they need to do it in a localized fashion. How are uh, you kind of seeing that play out? I've seen it a little bit, um, and, you know, and going back to Spotify, we've, I have done a few like that, that you know, hyper-local, where mm. it's about the accent of, you know, we've done some for Philadelphia and Chicago and somewhere else, um, where it's got to be a lo that local specific accent. Yeah. Um, and they'll use in Philly, like I'm a New Zealand uh, slash New Yorker, so 
I don't know if I'm saying John right. Um, or you know, I know what it means. It means everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, they'll throw in local slang and sports teams references, landmarks, whatever. I've done a little bit of that, um, but. I guess, like on a on a different side, there the localization is also about devices you're using. So mm. it's targeting the device that the user is listening on, and which is com- not what you were talking about. But I, I do a lot no, more of that work than I do mm-hmm. kind of like just on campaigns based on a very small region. So it's like. You know, if you're in a if you're on a mobile phone or a desktop, you know you might be you might be served and they know what you're listening on. You might be served an ad where the call to action is you know click on the banner. But if you're at home on a connected device, you know um, on your Alexa or whatever, and do you know doing the housework, or if you're in a car driving, they also know when when you're listening in that environment, mm-hmm. you won't get served an ad that says click on the banner or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't. Because you won't. Yeah, it's more like a. I always hear the phone number call to action when I'm driving and listening to Spotify. I, I mean, it's premium subscribers, so I don't always hear. I don't hear hear the ads at all. It's actually almost more on like SiriusXM or something else. Yeah. I always hear these phone numbers in yeah. certain environments, and then the click on the banner or um, something kind of more you know, uh, you know, action oriented where you're um, in those other environments. That's fascinating. I think I heard one point. You know. For every show on Netflix, there's something like a hundred different format. It was something insane of like Netflix is probably doing a similar type of thing for, Mm -hmm. you know, bandwidth, device, geography, Mm -hmm. serving up a slightly different file format. And I think that's actually really interesting that Spotify, both for probably the, the, the content itself, but also the advertisement kind of recognizing like, hey, that this um, application of Spotify is logged in from a car, so we know mm-hmm. it's a car. Versus this one's, you know, connected to someone's mm-hmm. Alexa. Um, that's really how uh, how it's how it's done. And that's so how we there, get up there, to two thousand ads per campaign. That's because really because we're helpful. doing that many versions of one ad. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. And I, I know just kind of closing off and looking to the future. You mentioned around the the AI voice. Is that how does that kind of factor into these? multiple iterations of maybe one base ad mm. is it different calls to action on the end or is it just merely you know, I, you know um, scaling up production it's the i think this is the most interesting it's so interesting when you when you start to really think about the applications of this you will go crazy mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh and so i mean i'm not using it yet but i'm definitely you know, looking at it and, and trying to and sort of investigating. But imagine if you are any brand and mm. you have your ultimate brand voice. And so what they do, you know, what they can do, right, is like model a artificial voice on a real person's voice. You read, you yeah. know, like, I don't know, 20 minutes worth of script, and but it's very specific words and, um, that they choose you to say so that they can then manipulate that to mm-hmm. kind of recreate any word. So yep. you've got your, the, that voice is the perfect brand voice for our brand. And now we want to use that. It wouldn't be great if we could use that voice everywhere. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. like a Coca-Cola or any, you know, like the global brands. Mm-hmm. So now um, you can create, you can type out a script. You can have, now you've got that, that real person, that sound, you cannot tell that it's artificial. It's like the real person's. Mm-hmm. But now you can 
put the translated scripts in and now that voice will read any language that you want but it's that actual mm-hmm. voice how mm-hmm. you know you can imagine how brands would be like yeah um yeah. now everywhere we're in it all like communicates the same vibe mm-hmm. and now think about those big kind of campaigns where um and say there's a price point involved you know for 6.99 and then they come back a week later they go ah, actually we're changing the price on that campaign it's now gonna be 4.99 right now we then have to go back and get all of the voice talent to re-record that one line for that one little change or whatever imagine if then you're like okay i'm just going to go back into that script and change that price point and regenerate all those audio files and everything now within you know like how like an hour i've got it all back down again drop and just remix all of the the voice with music so there's those applications which you know, you could see just changing updates would mm-hmm. be so much faster and so much less hassle. But also, um, you can have one alternate voice that is across everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you start thinking about, and then I was like, wow, so then they could, this could be applied to movies, you know? So, like, you know, at the moment, dubbed versions of every movie goes out and, well, now you can actually have the actor's voice. The mm-hmm. original actor in every single language. Now you know, mm-hmm. like down the road, like I'm sure this is where yep. it's going to end up. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, as voice talent, they'll be like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Right. So you're going to cut me out. You're going to use like an artificial voice to do all of this sort of stuff. Great for the person whose voice you're emulating because they're going to get rights and they're going to get you know a royalty. You know, we're very, like I'm. Very much, and who if you're doing it down, the, if you're going down that track, the person's voice that you're modeling it off yep. has to get royalties from their voice being yeah. used. You they become the voice of the brand, but once that synthetic voice, that AI voice is created, the ben, like the talent can continue to earn almost like a passive income stream, however oh, that's yeah. used, maybe renew it annually. So yeah. the, the initial reaction that we hear is concern over compensation over the long run but i think that can be resolved through licensing just like you create an ad now and you're granting permission to use that license but i i i actually believe as well that we are approaching if not have reached that tipping point where the uh the 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 synthetic kind of computerized version of somebody is indistinguishable yeah from their original recording. So interesting, we're starting to see talent actually take it upon themselves to say, you want to hire me to do it, you know, kind of naturally, or do you want to hire my synthetic alternative, if you will? So they're using this to actually augment their own production because likewise, they don't want to be asked to kind of go back into the studio to edit one little thing. Mm-hmm. This kind of regenerates, you know, tags as well, too. So there's definitely um, an opportunity there. And generally speaking, the shorter the content, the more suitable it would be for this. Um, I didn't think know, about this, audio, but yeah. Yeah, the audiobook. I don't know. I feel like I might kind of clue in every now and then and be like, oh, that was, it felt like it was missing a breath there. There's yeah. these like inhuman type, artifacts that sometimes show up you're like that didn't sound quite right yeah. but when it's five seconds 10 seconds 30 seconds yeah yeah it's it's almost so short where you yeah. get you you wouldn't know and and a lot of people don't know so we're we're going to be thinking about doing some kind of blind listening tests and and show people um you know how they can kind of compare and contrast and and uh 
But I, you're right. I, I think everyone acknowledges it's coming. It's probably more of a, a matter of, you know, when, if not, uh, you know, not if, if you will. Yeah, I think there's a race from the companies that are doing this development. You know, there's a race between them to, you know, who's going to be the first to really nail it. Um, yeah. But pricing has got to come into it as well. You know, um, you, it's got to it's got to make sense cost-wise for the end, for the people who are, you know, paying for it to actually mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. But don't be afraid yeah. of it. You know, as voice talent, I don't, like, you should see this as an opportunity. You should think, okay, I can either be afraid and think this is going to take, or I can be involved and jump in and learn about it, and I want to be one mm-hmm. of the people that are taking part in it. Well, it's, it sounds that's like that's what you're doing. As you said, use the word explore. So this is an exploratory yeah. phase. I think that's a, you know, discovery uh, exploring first um, is, is, is a step in that direction without, you know, necessarily making any decisions or committing. Yeah. Uh, committing. I think um, that's likewise what we're doing here at, at Voices. Um, Mike, we talked about what's next for the industry. Anything you want to share about what's next for you in the studio or maybe some of the projects that you're working on that you wanted to speak to? Um, <laughs> I don't really have like anything new kind of going on. You know, um, Spotify continues to grow for me, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I love working with them because the people there are so great um, and mm. real. Um, everyone I've worked with and the whole time I've been there, I've got to say like are, um, are just real people, real down to earth, funny, personable, you know, um, and w- there have been some agencies in the past that, you know, have dealt with or whatever, and they're just so buttoned up and, and serious and or business mm. and, and it's kind of boring. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I love Especially in a with, creative industry, right? Yeah. You want it to feel like, hey, um, we're, we're on the same wavelength here, whatever it is that we're creating or project we're contemplating. We're not um, working at a bank, you know, because yeah. we didn't want to work at banks. That's why we're doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also do um, a music stream for Macintosh Labs, which is a lot of fun. You should check that. It's called Macintosh Music. Macintosh, are, Macintosh Labs are like super high-end audiophile um, audio components. Like, you know, you've got to be kind of really wealthy to afford one of their, <laughs> one of their mm-hmm. amps or speakers. Beautiful. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, so I run a, a music stream for them, which is – they're so open. They really let me pick and choose every song on there, and I, you know, confer with them a little bit. Do you guys want to throw in anything here? But yeah, it's such an eclectic mix of music, but every song on there we make sure is great, and it just runs like a radio stream. So you don't pick or you don't have control. You just push play, and it's just playing like a stream of music. Yeah. Um, so that is just a lot of fun from a music side of things. No, that, and, that sounds um, really cool. I'll have to check that one. I'll have yeah, to check Mac- that one Macintosh out. Music. Uh, it's a very basic little app. It's just like push play, and then yeah. music just starts playing. <laughs> that's some of the, that's that's why I think one of the reasons why Spotify itself was so successful is that people don't want to always have to tee up the next, um, you know, tee up the next track. Like the the, the playlist being right there is uh, just creates for an, an indefinite <laughs> playlist, uh, an indefinite listening experience. Um, this has been such a delight to have you on the show today. And I think, uh, I learned a lot about, um, formats as well too, as well as the creative process, you know, helpful advice for producers, evaluating talent, as well as those talent who are auditioning, um, for producers such as yourself, Mike, if, if people wanted to get in touch, is there a way to, to, um, maybe reach out to you through your website? Um, what's yeah, the best way to connect? MikeYoungStudio.com, really simple. 
Um, and my email's on there, you know, mike at mikeyoungstudio.com. <laughs> Easy enough. Easy enough. Well, hopefully we don't, we don't get you inundated with that, but uh, I know people appreciate um, seeing the projects uh, that, that you do for Spotify come through voices.com as well. Well, amazing. Thanks for joining me today, Mike. Um, until next time, uh, I'm David Cicerelli, the founder and CEO of Voices, and you've been listening to Voice Branding.